0: Chapter Four Part Three of Pioneer Work in Opening the Medical Profession to Women by Elizabeth Blackwell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four Part Three Study in Europe, Eighteen Forty Nine to Eighteen Fifty One An Interview with Lamartine. At this period, much sympathy was felt in America for the Republican movement in France, of which Lamartine was the head. Before leaving Philadelphia, a friend had asked me to be the bearer of one of those expressions of sympathy from public meetings which were then sent to the poet from all parts of the United States. I willingly undertook the commission, and now wrote to the President for permission to present the document entrusted to me. May thirty-first, 1849 I've just returned from my visit by appointment to Lamartine, where I went to deliver the Philadelphia resolution entrusted to me. I must hasten to give you a sketch before this post, the last, closes. Of course I dressed with great care, and arrived just at the appointed hour. I was asked if I was a lady from America, for Lamartine is to most people in the country. I was shown through several antechambers into a drawing-room, where stood the poet, entertaining some visitors. He bowed, requested me to wait a few moments, and withdrew with his visitors into another room. I examined the apartment, a lofty room, carved and richly gilded, three long windows opening onto a balcony, commanding a garden full of trees. The room contained a rich carpet and purple velvet couches and chairs, some portraits, and exquisite female profile in bas-relief, a golden chandelier from the ceiling, some antique vases, etc., and a soft green light from the trees of the large garden diffused through the room. The door opened and Lamartine entered, very tall and slender, but the most graceful man I have ever seen. Every movement was music, gray eyes and hair. The little bust is a pretty good likeness. He has the gentlemanly voice, Uncle Charlie's, clear, melodious, perfectly well-bred. In fact, his exterior harmonized perfectly with his poetry. He understood English. Slowly and distinctly, I explained the commission which had been entrusted to me. He asked if the resolution referred to the fraternity of the race, and seemed to understand at once the whole matter when I replied in the affirmative. I referred him to the letters accompanying the resolution for full explanation respecting the document and the manner of presenting it. He said he was very happy to receive these expressions of sympathy. He would read the letters carefully and send me an answer, which I promised to transmit to America. He accompanied me very politely to the stairs, bowed, and we parted. I was in no way disappointed. There was perfect harmony in the man and his surroundings. Doubtless he is a true man, though unable to work into practice the great thoughts he cherishes." I went last night with my good little hostess to a neighboring church where there is service every evening. It was well lighted round the central altar, but in every direction the lofty aisles stretched away into the darkness with an occasional lamp illuminating some saint and small groups of dark figures kneeling on the pavement. The people were assembled in the center— mostly the lower classes, women in their white caps, and the little children dressed like miniature women. They knelt or stood, or sat on chairs and benches as the service required, generally with the utmost devotion. The little children used the holy water, crossed themselves and knelt with their mothers, and regarded the bright lights the flowers round the golden virgin, and the impressive music with eager, wondering faces. The service was sung or chanted entirely in Latin. Occasionally a pause in the music would be broken by the sudden deep tones of a man's voice away in the darkness, or a choir of boys' voices would burst forth apparently from the clouds. THE WALLS WERE COVERED WITH ENORMOUS PICTURES, PARTIALLY ILLUMINATED. I FELT FULLY THE IMPRESSIVENESS OF THIS SCENE TO THE UNEDUCATED PEOPLE. NO THOUGHT AWAKENED, BUT THE EMOTIONAL RELIGIOUS SENTIMENT POWERFULLY ADDRESSED. AND THIS EVERY NIGHT, WHEN THE SOLEMN CEREMONIAL CONTRASTS SO STRONGLY AND SOOTHINGLY WITH THE TRAFFIC OF THE DAY. The children are nursed in this atmosphere until it becomes a part of their nature that no reasoning can ever change. My first introduction to Paris institutions was through the visit of a public official, who brought a registration paper to be filled up. I put myself down as étudiante. The man stared, and then standing in front of me began to make the most extraordinary grimaces, opening his eyes until the white showed all round them. My first astonished thought was, You ugly little brute! What on earth are you doing that for? When his manner suddenly changing on my look of astonishment, he tapped me benevolently on the shoulder, saying, Mon enfant." You must not put yourself down as student. Rentier is the word you must use. In later life, with larger experience, I came to the conclusion that I had been interviewed by the police des maires. Fortunately, at that time, I knew nothing of the corrupt system of accepting and regulating female vice. My next important interview was of a very different character. A Boston friend had procured for me, from a physician, an introduction to the famous Louis, then at the height of his reputation. It was a sealed introduction which I forwarded with my card. The next day a tall, imposing-looking gentleman called upon me, who proved to be Louis himself. I soon felt instinctively that his visit was one of inspection. I told him frankly of my earnest desire for hospital and practical instruction. After a long conversation, he most strongly advised me to enter la maternité, where in one most important branch I could, in a short time, Obtain more valuable practical knowledge than could be obtained anywhere else, and he informed me of the steps to be taken in order to obtain admission. Before leaving, however, M. Louis handed to me the letter of introduction which I had sent to him, saying that he thought I ought to see it. It was an astounding production, written in such wretched French that I could only suppose that its author was unaware of its insulting character, or of the effect that such a letter delivered to a French gentleman by a young unknown woman was likely to produce. I never again presented a sealed letter of introduction. Some years later, when the distinguished physician who had sent it called upon me in New York, I returned the letter to him with a few words of very serious remonstrance. On June 1st, one of my sisters and a friend came to Paris, and we moved into pleasant lodgings in the Rue des Floris, overlooking the Luxembourg garden. Whilst there, I attended lectures at the Collège de France and the Jardin des Plantes and earnestly sought for admission to some of the hospitals for practical instruction. It seemed, however, that an entrance into la maternité would be the most direct first step in obtaining the practical instruction needed, and although regretting the delay in my surgical studies which would be involved in such a course, I finally resolved to pursue the courses of that great institution. THE FOLLOWING LETTERS REFER TO THIS PERIOD OF EFFORT. MY DEAR COUSIN, I FIND THAT I CANNOT ENTER THE maternity AT PRESENT FOR WANT OF AN ACT DE NAISSANCE. I AM TRYING TO GET OVER THE DIFFICULTY, BUT FRENCH REGULATIONS ARE SO STRICT THAT IT IS STILL UNCERTAIN WHETHER I CAN SUCCEED. Would it be possible to secure in Bristol a copy of my register of baptism with a statement of my birthday and my parents certified by the mayor or some proper authority? I was baptized at Bridge Street by mister Leafchild. I was born on February third eighteen twenty one. I do not know, however, whether such a register is kept in England. If it could be procured, it would remove the difficulty which lies in my way. We find Paris a very lively residence. Every day something new is occurring, or we discover some wonderful old place which we must certainly visit. One day it is the funeral celebrations of Marshal Bougard, at which all the great men assist with an army of soldiers and an enormous crowd, or a thousand little girls taking their first communion at St. Sulpice, dressed in white with long veils, or some grand collection of flowers or manufactured articles calls out the spectacle-loving people. There is a constant effervescence of life in this great city, which concentrates all its energy in itself, and makes the Parisians at the same time the most brilliant and the most conceited people in the world. The greatest pleasure which we have yet enjoyed was our trip last Sunday to Versailles. It is really a place to be proud of, and I could not wonder at the worship which is paid to that beautiful temple by the people who day after day range freely through its grand galleries and spacious gardens. I received today a very pleasant letter from Dr. Webster, one of our professors at Geneva. I was much gratified to find that their course to me has been approved by the profession in America. It would have grieved me inexpressibly if they had been condemned for the aid they had given me, and there seemed to be some possibility of it when I left. But he tells me my thesis was commented on in the report on medicine at the National Medical Convention held in Boston, and their course in relation to me justified and approved. The thesis was received with applause." This information is quite a relief to me, for the thought would be too painful that you could injure your friends. June 15th. Dear Cousin, By the 1st of July, as soon as I have conquered some miserable little difficulties, such as the Acte de Naissance, Certificate of Vaccination, etc., which I cannot produce, I shall enter la maternité a world-famous institution, and remain until I have succeeded in my first object, viz. to become an accomplished obstetrician. There are personal objections connected with this course that I was not prepared for, viz. a strict imprisonment, very poor lodging and food, some rather menial services, and the loss of three or four nights' sleep every week. Still, these are things that can be borne, if the health will stand them, when the end to be gained is an important one. And I am sure you will agree with me that it is wise to sacrifice physical comfort for a while in order to attain it. I propose to remain there three months, and then I shall try and accomplish my second object, viz. Surgery." I hope in a day or two to receive permission from the Directeur General, M. Davine, to examine all the hospitals of Paris. I am working on gradually, but I find more clearly every day that the genius of the French nation does not suit me, and my love for the Anglo-Saxon race and my admiration for our wonderful fatherland increase by the comparison. We have had a strange glimpse of a revolution, a sort of theatrical representation of what that terrible thing might be. I confess that the whole exhibition seemed to me peculiarly French, and yet there are noble and terrible passions, lying below this mercurial excitability, that command hearty sympathy or serious consideration, and the unjust, tyrannical acts of the government excite one's strongest indignation. Now all is quiet again, however, and the whole affair is said to have been planned by the authorities to get rid of certain troublesome men." A. and E. have stood the shock well, though they turned quite pale on finding as they were quietly parading the streets that they were in the midst of an emult, and later I was sent out to see if they had not better instantly return to England before civil war broke out and their throats were cut. On the afternoon of the 13th, E. and I went out to see the curious sight, the key to the National Assembly, more than a mile long, was lined with soldiers and their drawn bayonets. The Louvre and the Tuileries opposite were closed and filled with soldiers. An army of cavalry was mounted and ready to start at any moment. We passed through hurrying crowds full of excitement hearing fearful reports of what had happened and what was to come. On the bridges, at the corners of the streets, were large groups of blouses, students, citizens, women, listening to some orator of the moment, gesticulating violently. More than once I observed a woman enthusiastically haranguing an audience. The most curious mixture of passions was visible on the faces. Fear, anger, indignation, hope, hatred. There was many a figure that realized the horrors of an earlier revolution. It seems inconceivable now that those violent expressions should have died away, and that Paris is going on in its usual busy way june 1849 my friends one and all i closed my last letter apparently on the eve of a great insurrection i went out with e g quickly to put it in the post not knowing how soon we might be prisoners in the house or stirring out at the risk of life we passed through hurrying crowds full of excitement. Through the night, heavy wagons of ammunition and provisions, escorted by soldiers, had rumbled through the streets. The public squares were shut and filled with soldiers. The Democratic press was destroyed, and the next morning the city was declared in a state of siege, and a proclamation was published by the President calling on all good citizens to maintain the authority of the law. But nothing occurred, the commotion subsided, and the conservative press congratulated the country on its preservation from the dangerous conspiracy of a few seditious demagogues. It is difficult to get at the truth in a country where everybody lies upon principle, but it is now commonly believed that the whole affair was a trick of the government to get rid of Ledru Rollin. Considérant, and the other troublesome members of the Montagnier, who were determined to call the president to account for his infamous conduct to the poor Romans. I do not know whether American papers give these particulars. You must tell me if I repeat what you can get better elsewhere, but we have taken deep interest in these events passing round us. Our indignation is much roused against the conservative tyranny, and the belief in the government trick shows, curiously enough, of what it may be capable. A manifestation meeting was called to support by general feeling the attack which had been made by the advanced party in the assembly on the unconstitutional measures of the president in suppressing popular gatherings. 200,000 men were passing quietly to the place of meeting, some of the most respectable and distinguished citizens of Paris amongst them. Not the slightest disturbance, not even one viva la constitution was heard. But a proclamation had been stuck about the streets, of the most inflammatory character, calling the citizens to arms, and signed by Considérant and Le Drou Rollin. On the strength of that proclamation, which is fully believed to have been a forgery, the meeting was dispersed and proceedings instituted against the members. The government is proceeding with a high hand. I see that today even the conservative press is putting in a feeble protest." You would be amused to see how universally politics are discussed. The boy who arranged our rooms, the market woman at their stalls, everyone finds time to read a journal and give some opinion about it. End of chapter four, part three.